Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. About a month ago, maybe even longer, this guy in New Jersey who joins me every Wednesday on Rural Route, his name's J.C. Cole, he said, something's going to take place around September 24th. Something's going to take place around September 24th, J.C. Cole. Um, that's what I've been picking up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, exactly what it is, I'm not really sure, but it looks pretty big. Looks to be tied to what you're not going to get on a railroad delivery. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of things in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it, you're really good about telling us when about something's going to happen, but you don't have enough details ever. No, it's those crystal balls, you know. They're made in <laughs> China these days, and they just don't work as well. <laughs> <laughs> They're made in China, so they crack quicker. Right, right. And, and of course, that supply will dry up someday. And of course, we're seeing we're seeing a bunch of different things. Trent, where you know, I, I think UPS is looking to strike. Um, uh, the railroads are looking to strike. Um, and of course, nobody's discussing that there's a whole bunch of ships sitting in uh, in the China Sea that are empty and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And well, well this- I I got a phone call last night from somebody tied to the railroad. And they tell me Tuesday's the day, next Tuesday. And somebody's tied to the railroad? Is this uh <laughs> Yeah. They're on yeah. the tracks. They're right. going yep. to be tied to the railroad until it, the strike's over. Right. Um, do. So I went back and looked at the, the history of this. You know that July 16th, Biden put in place an emergency board thanks to an executive order, which is unconstitutional, I might add. And the emergency board was a panel of three people who were going to fix all of these negotiations between railroad and unions. August 16th, they um, they issued their report and made it public, most of it, on how they were going to fix this negotiation. Included in that, I don't know if you saw this or not, was what accumulates to a 40% salary increase because it's like 24% now, but it's retroactive to 2000 or 2020 at 3.5%. So the railroad is expected to go pay all workers retroactive a 3.5% pay increase plus a $1,000 bonus for two years that have already gone. So what that equates to is a 40% salary increase. I, I I can't see why they wouldn't agree to that. Um, yeah, I I would say uh, that sounds pretty decent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty decent? You can't afford to pay your workers 40% more. Good Lord. It's like, well, I, it's like a company you know, doesn't have to pay workers based upon what they're what they're worth just what somebody in the white house thinks they ought to get paid and then you have to get more for who's going to ultimately pay for that the people who reap the rewards of what the railroad hauls which is primarily in my part of the world coal i kind of like the electricity at the price it is instead of 40 percent higher 
I would say that this uh, this administration is a is a um, implosion administration. Almost everything they almost everything they do is destroying our economy, um, and which which the only thing we can do is raise the alarm and get people to pay attention and um, well, get more control in their hands. Yeah, and that control, I'm just going to be redundant until people are so tired they just tune out, but that's fine. That control resides at your county courthouse. Yes. Yes, and your county sheriff, which is also incredibly important. You know, and, and one of the things that we need to do as Americans is we need to pay attention to what's happening in Europe. And I know that it doesn't come into your every day, but it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare what's going on. And for instance, because of this energy fight and the lack of energy, you are seeing European businesses shut down. The second largest steel mill in the world, which is in Germany, has shut down. Now, you start to have to think, what's going, what's the effects, the long-term effects of that? You just can't start up a steel mill. It's not like you turn it off one day and you turn it back on like your microwave. No, this, 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 I don't even know how much time it takes to restart this. And we also see uh, aluminum smelters and a few other manufacturing, metal manufacturing going down. Well, I don't know if you checked, but a lot of our fencing is made out of metal. Yep. And if you can't keep the animals in and the predators out, we've got a big problem. Yeah. Hmm. So, so, um, that's the exact conversation I had in my debate with the animal rights activist in Salt Lake City at the Salt Lake City Veggie Fest on Saturday, and people couldn't grasp what you just said. They didn't, they didn't see a predator as a problem. (laughs) Oh, okay. They're going to have a real interesting, uh, um, diet coming their way. Well, they've had an interesting diet, as you can see by looking at them. But anyway, that's another story. One of my recommendations for the farmers, they stock up on stock up on metal fencing while it's here. Now, I can't figure out how much uh, or find out how much metal fencing is made in America. But I would think the majority of it is made in China. Yeah, I think it's made somewhere other than here. Um, You know, those steel mills, and I have no doubt that. Germany would shut one down because they use tons more uh, energy and electricity than you could ever imagine. Oh yeah, just to fire the just to fire the the heat, right? To 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 melt steel, right? What is it? Uh, it's twelve fourteen hundred degrees. But I do understand that you can use jet fuel burning at seven hundred degrees to melt steel, but we don't want to go there. <laughs> Well, brick, it's probably hotter than that, actually, because bricks are made at like 2,000 degrees. Well, you know, a lot of reports, yeah, a lot of reports from, uh, a lot of reports from, uh, uh, 9-11 was, I think it was 1,400 degrees, what it takes to melt steel. That and, sounds warm. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty warm. And that's another thing is we really have to pay attention, um, uh, I had a friend that had the largest glass factory in Latvia, and so I got to tour it. 
which is some of the advantages that I've had. I get to see industry behind the scenes. It's fascinating stuff. Um, well, for the engineers, it is. Uh, and, and I was shocked at the amount of energy it takes to make glass. So you have to take silicon sand and, mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a pretty pure sand and, um, basically heat it till it goes into a liquid, um, a liquid state. Actually, glass is a liquid state, but it's just very slow. Um, and, uh, that's one of the big things. What happens if our systems start to break down and we all need mason jars? Well, if there's no energy, you're not getting any mason jars. And just a little piece of information. Don't forget family, the lids. Yeah, don't forget the lids. Right? For a family of four, you generally need about, I think it's 500 mason jars uh, for one year of food and uh, a quart size. And... um that will cost you probably about $600 right now. So not many people are stocking up on mason jars. But, uh, if you, if, if, if we, if we have a collapse in our system and you have to get through the harvest, what are you going to store the food in? Your grocery store. Yes. Right. Right. The, the, the grocery store. And, uh, yep. We'll leave it at that for the first segment. Roll route, JC Cole, Trent Loose. We're back with more after this. And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general. The world's authority on nitric oxide production, Dr. Nathan Bryan, explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a, a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know, pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick, some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to, to COVID or any other virus and your immune system nips it in the bud and you don't get sick from it. It's really that simple. We're going to change this ordering process up to make it simpler. Go to loosetailsmedia.com. Loosetailsmedia.com. There will be an order mechanism there. And if you want more of the science, I'll get that to you from Dr. Nathan Bryan. Loosetailsmedia.com. It's N-O-2-U. The, the product's the same. The place you get it is different. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside J.C. Cole. 900 degrees on the low end, 1,500 on the high end. You're spot on. Temperature required. Seven years of university comes through occasionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. I actually had to take metallurgy. Again, it's fascinating stuff so, um, for engineers. So I came across a very interesting phrase that somebody in, you know, had, had, had popped up, which is concerning to me because it, it actually is dealing with what we're going, what's coming our way. A man's morality is proportional to the access of resources. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you think about that. A man's morality is the, is proportional to the access of 
resources. And so if you're a family man and you have some little kids and you don't have access to food, what happens to your moral structure? And that's quite, quite concerning. We do what you have to to survive. Yeah, you do what you have to to survive. And uh, I, what we're watching in Europe is horrendous. They're destroying Europe by sh- basically shutting down the energy. Energy costs for electricity and natural gas are skyrocketing. Um, we're, uh, I think... Um, Natural gas has gone up like 500%. And now it's. Andrew tells me 1100%. Well, he's there, so I think that's a better number. (laughs) And and then to confuse matters, Liz Truss, who everybody thought came in to be a, a, a puppet for the World Economic Forum, she came out with a statement the day before the Queen died, by the way that uh, she was going to reopen fracking. They've not been fracking, and she was going to put a price cap on the increase of natural gas. It's like, where did that come from? Because we didn't expect her to be on this side, and then the next day everybody forgot about it because the queen died. Yeah. Yeah, and how long does it take to set up fracking? Um, That's an awful long time. So, you just so flip one the electric the, switch and it starts. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Oh, wait, we turned off there. the electric supply. We can't get the electric because it's going to cars in California. I don't know what we should do. Right. So so for, for those who don't know Europe real well, Switzerland is one of the wealthiest countries. And... Um, so the Swiss government has just come out and said something along the lines that you are not, as a Swiss citizen, you are not allowed to have your thermostat over 66 degrees Fahrenheit. And that they're not, well, they said that they're not a, a police state, but they're going to set up investigation on whether your thermostat is set at 66, right? And that the Swiss citizens who overheat their house homes can spend uh, can get fined up to like three thousand dollars or spend three years in jail well i got news for everybody we don't need to go to switzerland we have california doing the same thing with water use they're now monitoring meters on people who have their own water supply not using the public water supply their own wells and they're coming in homes i've talked to people who have relatives who are coming in homes and monitoring how much water they're using. Yeah. And so, so they, they're going after the resources. Um, so this is, uh, this is tragic, but this is, this is um, also a call to call to arms to, to uh, be aware. So I got a, I suppose it's a philosophical question for you because we know that the railroads by a large part are controlled by Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. I know that they own BNSF. There are two other rail lines that are involved, but we know the political leanings that Warren Buffett has had 
for the past 20 years. I, I was not aware of them, JC, until he came out so heavily proponent for Barack Obama and, and donated money and was a part of the, the whole Barack Obama movement. So if you have a railroad owned by a guy who has been very sympathetic and supportive of the type of leadership, I'm talking about Democrats, that we have in place now, and you have that very entity creating an environment where there cannot be a railroad mutual negotiation settled, what's really at play? I don't think it's about improving life for the everyday citizens that reap their rewards of the railroad. Something else is going on here. Just do basic arithmetic. You know, I, <laughs> again, I come back to the book when Atlas shrugged. And if you look at what happened in Atlas shrugged is that our, um, our transportation system around the country broke down, mm-hmm. um, specifically the railroads. And the, what was it? Uh, the, I heard a report that something like 68% of all of our food stuff comes in transportation of the railroads. The majority of that's the grains. Um, and, you know, the, we're, we're watching it happen. And in, in that was shrugged also, New York turned into a communist uh, sewer hole. And and if you look, New York is turning into a sewer hole. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's been too long since I read that book. I mean, I remember the general premise. Well, it, it, the, the book is huge. Um, oh, yeah. It took me like a year to read it. I, I got it on um, audible.com, which I take a lot of information into. And I think it was 33 hours, if I remember. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. You know, where a normal book is more like six. But so get the cliff notes, right? And, and you know, what, what, literally what happened in Atlas Shrugged was that um, the system finally shut down so much that Con Edison um, stopped producing electricity and New York went dark. Okay. Well, if you actually look at it, uh, 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 10% of the transformers in New York City are Chinese, which have been rumored that have um, computer backdoors, that the Chinese can shut them off at any time. You know, and, and shutting Sounds off... Sounds like New an election York, machine. Yeah, shutting off New York is like sh- shutting off our financial capital. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and then to add some mystery to it, the statue of Atlas Shrugged is sitting right at Rockefeller Center. Yeah, I didn't know that until last week when you brought that up. Yeah, and so so you'll get an awful lot of things going back to the Rockefellers. Uh, so I don't have time. We have less than two minutes. T- today on Across the Pond with Andrew, I-, I just had to air voice how perplexed I am that we are told from day one that the monarchy of the United Kingdom the king and the queen, as the queen has passed, is just a figurehead. I mean, they're there for tourist benefits. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. If you look at what's happening around the world, as the news has surfaced that the queen has died. And I know that you have told us, and we are beginning to understand, they're much more involved in the global financial system 
and the banking world that anybody realized. And so it's just nothing of what we was ever taught about history and what's going on is actually true. Correct. We've been lied to about almost everything substantially important. And, and, uh, and if I forgot the name of the company, um, the biggest company that nobody knows about, I think that's what their phrase is. Um, um, you might be able to get it. One of the largest companies that control private, um, private jails in America. Oh, I know who you're talking about. And I will get it because I had a, an entire roll route about this from a guy who just got out of one of those jails. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more roll route second half just ahead. All right. I hopefully we can do this in four minutes. You know, I'm to the point where I can make the argument that beef is the most important nutritional component for improving your immune system. You cannot allow the entities of the world to continue to demonize beef. And in this case, there's a beef source that provides you high-quality, tender beef supplies. We know that nucleic acid is a huge component of why we eat beef, and that improves digestion. It improves recovery of your muscles and the immune system. Certified Piedmontese is a leader making all of that happen. Get more details as a Great Plains cattleman how you can be a part of the supply chain for the supply chain. Is that the most used word word in today's world? I think that it is. You want to be a part of the supply chain and get paid properly? Go to the website to find the information that you need to get a hold of the right person at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. LoneCreekCattleCo.com. It's all about the certified Piedmontese system and paying the producer correctly. Welcome back, everyone. Trent Lewis alongside J.C. Cole. <clears throat> Sorry about that. On a Wednesday, off and running. Uh, I just had to, during the break, step out and take a picture of a chemtrail leading to the sun. Hey, that's serious tinfoil hat stuff. You might have to get extra heavy uh, Reynolds. I can prove it. I have a picture. Yes, I know. Reminds me that Monday Hank Vogler told us about a guy who was making a rocket to go to the sun. And somebody told him, what what are you talking about? You can't go to the sun. You'll burn before you get there. You'll melt. Speaking of 400 degrees, it's a bit like making steel up there at the sun. And the guy said, oh, no worries. I'll go at night. Yeah, it sounds like the lights are not on. (laughs) (laughs) The electric's been off for a while up there. (laughs) That is true. Not the brightest bulb in the uh, the, the factory. Hey, before we get back to your historical components, I'm curious. It was um, just a little over a week ago that you had some publicity around the world in the article that was written. Did you get a, a barrage of people wanting to help you or wanting well, I, you to help them? Yes, I, I, I did. I got, um, I got, a, about a hundred inquiries on what, you know, uh, for coming from all different areas. And, and unfortunately I just couldn't respond to them because, um, you know, I'm a one man show. And, um, what we'd like to do is maybe do a, um, <clears throat> Uh, a Beck TV 
uh, uh, show and, and describe the project because a lot of people responded, almost everybody responded positively. In other words, how do we create um, food security in America? And right now people are starting to realize that's a really important issue. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a way to do it. Um, and, and that's what I've been focused on this whole time. But I'm also expecting another article to come out in the New York papers. Um, so I figured it'll be good to have that ready because by the time New York wakes up and finds out they're in such bad positioning, um, all, all that needs to happen is the electricity to go off or, or the supply chain to, to drop. And New York is, is over. It ends. New York takes in 400 million tons of cargo, 90% by truck. What happens if there are no trucks? New York takes in 400 400 million tons? 400 million tons. New York City. Sorry, New York City. And, and, um, a day? A, A year? A year. And, you know, they, they don't produce any food. Right? And, and, and they're, they're totally on municipal water. You know, if the electricity goes out, New York is out of water. Now, we saw what happened in like Jackson, Mississippi, when there's no water. Well, you know, imagine it for 8 million people. And of course, Long Island is not much better. You know, no, actually, JC, the last two weeks, I've been in airports, which I'm not proud to say, but I have. I, I <clears throat> efficiently got around the country in a very efficient manner. But I, I say that only to share with you for the first time in a long time, I watched any network news. And I found a tremendous amount of hypocrisy in the folks in New York City totally shocked that a place in the United States like Jackson, Mississippi could be without drinkable water. They don't even have access to water. We're going to do a series all week from New York city about the problems in Mississippi. And I'm sitting here thinking you people, do you have a clue what you're about to run into? I don't know if they do or not. And this is, this goes back to one of our, our most important subjects when technology fails. So buy that book, because it tells you what to do and you want to do it before technology fails. But for instance, the second largest city in Ukraine was plunged into total darkness this week. And that was by Russian uh, missile strikes. Well, that's a war. Well, it, all you have to do is look how many, how many, we, we get thousands of cyber attacks on our infrastructure every day. Mm. Thousands. And all they need is one successful one, and the electricity goes down. And uh, again, you know, if you look, well, we had a, uh, a satellite that, um, a U.S. satellite that just kind of broke up uh, in space. And everybody else, the other countries are all upset because the debris field may take down a lot of the satellites. But you have China, argue, you know, arguing about some of our satellites. Well, if our satellites, if our GPS system gets turned off, so does the electric. I mean, and now what just came out, I think it was yesterday, from the Russians that 
they basically are saying we are going to World War III and it will be nuclear. That doesn't mean a nuclear holocaust. That means an exchange of tactical nukes. And if that happens, it's very beneficial for the Russians. If the Russians feel that their existence is threatened, to turn off the financial center of the United States. What's that? New York City. And people just are oblivious to it. No, it can happen here. No, it's almost guaranteed to happen here. That's the problem. Sounds like somebody tried to turn off the financial system yesterday without a nuke. <laughs> um, it's, it, yeah, well, what was that? September the 24th? Oh, sorry. Uh, Hey, I I might just ask you a question, though, because supposedly we've been told, after you and I have already agreed you can't believe anything you're told, we've been told that Russia and the Ukraine have been at war for, what, six months? Yeah, about that. And and just now there's a city without electricity? Doesn't sound like much of a war front, does it? Well, it doesn't. It looked like the Russians were not interested in taking down the infrastructure, which the Americans do when they go and into Syria. Um, but it looked like that there was a Ukrainian offensive mm-hmm. that just happened, and the Russians say, okay, we have to take off the gloves. But there's rumors, and they're rumors. Now, remember, we're at war, and you can't ignore rumors. It doesn't mean you believe them, but you you, you certainly don't want to ignore them. And there are rumors that the missiles for the uh, Ukrainian offensive came from outside of Ukraine. They were fired from outside of Ukraine. And then the Russians immediately responded by taking out the electricity in in certain key areas, which I understand. uh, You have to understand European uh, trains. They majority run by um electricity right where ours run more by diesel and so taking out the electric grid in in ukraine shuts down the trains we're shutting down the trains shuts down the shipment of military goods coming in from nato countries so this looks like it's about to go hot and there's one thing i want to add with uh, september 24th well apparently the pope came out and made um an order that all monies owed to the Vatican Bank, or not owed to the Vatican Bank, in control of the Vatican Bank, come back to the Vatican Bank by September the 30th. The Vatican Bank's one of the biggest banks in the world. And I would love to see the list of U.S. congressional people who have accounts there, but that's another subject. (laughs) Sounds like a good one to pursue, though. Yeah, I think I think somebody knows, but they just haven't told us yet. Uh, so, so what the Pope just did was call all monies back to the Vatican. Well, what's he know that we don't? So it looks like the financial bubble is coming very close to popping. And of course, if you look now, there's uh, there's reports that there uh, it's getting hard to find silver and gold in the physical. Um, uh, physically buy it. Wish you'd have told me a year to go get some silver. I should have, but I I was busy telling you to get diesel. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, with your advice, I purchased at the high point so far. Well, oh, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to taunt Murphy's Law because you, you might you might find out that when it goes to eleven or twelve dollars, what is it? Um, oh, I think uh, Andrew in England said that it's up to eleven dollars a gallon. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, so I, I, I mean, think this would be a good week to get all my propane tanks filled, though. Oh yes, that's definitely one of them. Uh, a, a very smart idea is to have propane. And uh, also on that is to have like a Coleman stove that both works on gas and propane. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, um, meaning um, um, unleaded gas. Right. And, you know, it's, now you, you look, you go, no, JC, that could never happen. It's happening in Europe. People might not have the ability to heat their homes or cook. Well, it's been good for the firewood business in Europe. It has been good for the firewood business. And and uh, speaking of technology failing, my, my log splitter, I have to go out and make sure it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, can, you can actually burn them without splitting them, you know. That's a luxury. Well, no, I was talking about lifting them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's cut smaller chunks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some of these are 200 pounds and those days are gone. Oh, uh, my, my cedars don't get that big here in Nebraska. We got to take a no, break. When, and unfortunately we had, um, we had an ash tree bug that have killed all the ash trees and, and ash is actually a very, very good, uh, wood to burn. But so we have an ample supply of dead wood. Um, but an ash tree can get pretty, pretty. That, that emerald ash yeah. boar is a pesky little thing. But I'm a pesky little thing too. We have one segment for all route JC Cole left after this. It is about keeping the lights on. It's the lights on the truth, the lights on so that we can see in our everyday life, and most importantly, the energy source to produce things like steel, JC. I believe in Lignite, and I will be attending the Lignite Energy Conference once again this year, September the 28th and 29th in Bismarck, North Dakota. You know, there's so much talk about coal, and we can talk about trains shutting down. We can talk about all of these things. Truth of the matter is the coal industry, it is an industry. It's taken a resource. It has generated. It's not generate. It captures the electricity so that we can reap the rewards from that, and all people can do is complain, and then mandate more electricity and less coal. It makes no sense. Get the truth from the Lignite Energy Council. Life, it's led by coal. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce, alongside J.C. Cole. I might let you know, J.C., that on Sunday evening, September the 11th, 2022, I boarded a plane in Salt Lake City and flew back to Kearney, Nebraska the whole time. I'm thinking, JC said something big was going to happen today. At least you were wrong once. <laughs> I'm a loud one or two. <laughs> right. No, I didn't say it was going to be big. I was just paying attention to it. <clears throat> so let's get into some of um, those famous things. <clears throat> what happened this week in history that's significant? September the 3rd, 
83. Right? And so uh, the U.S. Mint strikes the first gold coin in 50 years. What? Of course, I think that, yeah, in other words, the U.S. Mint started making gold coins, and they hadn't made a gold coin for 50 years, which wow. would have been 1933 when FDR basically made it illegal for Americans to own gold. Of course, I think that, that they actually started striking it because I, I was graduating university at that time. <laughs> In 33? 83. Oh, okay. Just checking. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, I just went in. I'm not a, a constitutional expert, but <clears throat> the United States Constitutional, Article 1, Section 10, no state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, confederation, right, and blah, 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 and a bunch of other things. Coin money, emit bills of credit, or make anything but gold and silver coin a tender. So it's a, it's in the Constitution that our money should needs to be gold and silver, which is interesting because you had the U.S. Mint not doing it. So. But uh, that led into another interesting thing that happened September the 15th, 1966. Oh, that was a precursor US, to my birth. U.S. President Lyndon Baines Johnson responding to a sniper attack at the University of Texas in Austin writes a letter to the United States Congress urging the enactment of gun control legislation. So there you had the President of the United States violating the Constitution. I didn't know that he had done that. Of course, I was 10 years old at the time. But I now was 30 you get days to, from popping out. Okay. But now you get to, let's look at LBJ for a second, because... It's pretty, anybody who looks into the assassination of JFK knows that LBJ was involved because he was the man that stood to, to gain the most. And anybody who knows that uh, to be sworn in as president, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the head of the um, Supreme Court, Chief Justice, has to read exactly word for word um, uh, from, from, I think it's the Constitution. Uh, to swear in the president. And so Washington, a bunch of the VIPs, the vice president, LBJ, uh, Jackie Onassis, or Jackie Kennedy at that time, um, the chief justice, they all get on plane to fly to, De uh, to um, Dallas. And while in air, it was announced that President Kennedy had died. And so LBJ has to be sworn in, and the chief justice goes, I don't have the wording. And LBJ, this is, this is factual proof, pulls out of his breast pocket the exact wording needed to be sworn in. Well, that was handy. Yeah. You, 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 you would have thought that, um, yeah, sure, I always carry that around. Just in case. So, I mean, we was a vice president, no. 
So, yeah, and actually there's information that he was about to be indicted. Um, but, of course, that got thrown on the, the, uh, the rug as soon as he became president. So uh, LBJ put into effect, why is this important again, um, Executive Order 1111, which there we go to those 11s again, 1111, and uh, creating, uh, basically he transferred the right of the president to the Secretary of Treasury to print silver certificates. And that is deemed to look as going around the Federal Reserve that had the right to print money and put it back into, uh, into control of the Secretary of Treasury. Right? And it's rumored that LBJ rescinded that executive order, but there's a lot of debate over that. I can't really think. But if we go back to 1962 and then YouTube, you can find LBJ saying uh, in a speech, when you control weather, you control the world. Okay, so, um, you know, that's, what is it, uh, 60 years ago, you think they figured out how to control the world. And, of course, we have LBJ lying about the Tonkin Bay incident, which was verified by McNamara, his defense uh, secretary at that time. Um <clears throat> that uh, it never happened. And that's what brought us into, into um, Vietnam, right? And we lost 55,000 of our men. That was how many died. And then LBJ also was involved with the Israeli attack on the USS Liberty, where we had uh, two aircraft carriers that were responding to, uh, to defend the Liberty. And LBJ, from the from the, basically the White House, called them and gave a direct order to not protect the USS Liberty. And that's documented also. So this goes all the way back to, you know, 1960s and a, basically a coup d'etat on the American government. And that's what's playing out today. That's literally what's playing out today. I still struggle with this whole concept of executive order because number one, they're not constitutional. Number yeah. two, almost every executive order has a counter executive order because the president comes in and counters an executive order that was written by the last president. Uh, I wish we had an elected official, a representative or even a sheriff that would stand up and say, we no longer see any authority in an executive order. They're nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of this whole battle reset that's going on. Right. But there was some good news in this this, uh, week in history. September the 14th, 1814. That was before my time. Yes. The the birth of the Star-Spangled Banner. Francis Scott Key pens it as he was sitting in a, a ship watching um, Fort McHenry get bombed by the British. And what's interesting about that was um, that uh, it wasn't, it, it, it became recognized by the United States Navy in 1889. And then again, by Wood, uh, Woodrow Wilson in 1916, but it never became, um, it became our national anthem in 1931 by Hoover. 
So that's a little piece of history that's kind of nice. And, and of course, the other one is September 17, 1787, when the United States Constitution was finally signed by the delegates of the Philadelphia Convention. So, so that's, they finally signed it about 10 years after yeah, I think it was written. That's why Constitution Day is coming up this weekend on Saturday. Everybody needs to take note of where you're at and what you're doing. And let's remember also seven, September 17, 1862 was the bloodiest day in American history, which was the Battle of Antietam in Maryland. And while the reports vary, it looks like there are 22,000 dead, wounded, or missing in the first battle. That's a big pile of people. It is, because you had Americans on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to stay out of a civil war. You know what's most interesting as you walk through these historical dates is it seems like there's a day that just keeps, I mean... When one thing happens on September 17th, like signing of the Constitution, there's just a series of things throughout the next 50 to 100, 200 years that happens on that particular day. I guess it could be argued that you could find that with anything because significant things always take place. But, I mean, you go back and look at 9-11. I, I didn't know this, but I went back and read what I think is a pretty accountable uh, reference and makes logical sense to me by looking at, the formation of the stars and everything was going on in the atmosphere at the time of Jesus's birth. It was on September the 11th, they say. Yeah, that's, um, that's uh, one of the re- reports that um, actually uh, Christmas is not the birth of Jesus. It was a pagan holiday that the, the Christian church kind of took over. Um, but yeah, and my understanding is according to the Jewish calendar that uh, the destruction of the first temple um so what would that have been? It would have been the Romans about 70 AD, I believe, was on 9-11. And the, the destruction of the second temple, um, like 100 years later, was on 9-11. So 9 and 11 keep popping up. Hmm. All right, 30 seconds. This is your 9-11 warning. This is, this is it. All right, well, we'll get the books. Get the books when uh, Dare to Prepare by Holly Dale and uh, and uh, When Technology Fails by Matt Stein because we are watching and and yes the Survival Guide by Jonathan Holloman because that that tells you what to do and um, um, we are watching technology fail. I'll correct you. Most people are not watching it. They're completely oblivious to technology failing around them. We are here every single day to try to wake people up so that they can get engaged and get back to the community. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. My thanks as always to J.C. Cole, Trent Lewis, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. Yeah, folks, before I let you go, I want to remind you that it has never been more important. I know there was a lot of discussion that took place about the naming of Protect the Harvest, but the truth of the matter is it's never been more important than now to protect the harvest. And Protect the Harvest is all about supplying you, the citizen, the consumer, the producer, the zealot of American liberty with information on how to maintain that liberty. And it all comes back to no food, no freedom. We must 
live with food. We must live with freedom. And that is exactly what you can acquire by getting information on a daily basis from protecttheharvest.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And they say it's what you pay. You get what you pay for. Well, you don't pay anything for Protect the Harvest, but you do need to invest time. Protecttheharvest.com.